Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Hey everybody, this is Jordan Cooper here, Public Interest Podcast. We're doing another uh, behind the scenes with... uh, Today we're here with uh, Josh Kurtz, a previous guest on Public Interest Podcast. We're sitting at Tiber Beer House in downtown Bethesda. Just ordered Center of the Universe. <laughs> we ordered two pints of good German beer. So cheers, Josh. Cheers, cheers. yeah. And uh, let's get into Maryland politics. So yeah. uh, a lot's going on. Lots going on. Uh, it's ridiculous. We have in Montgomery County, like Paul Bessel said, forty-four. People are running at large. Possible. It yeah. may not end up being that large, right, but, right, but there's right. a lot. What's going on with the? Uh, what do you think is going on? Why do you? Uh, it's the property tax hikes and then the uh, referendum that term limited them. That's right. really leading to so many people, right? Yeah, I think it's term limits. I think it's just sort of a lot of political restlessness in general. There are a lot of people who've been waiting for openings for a long time. Three of the four seats are well. I mean, all the seats are open, but there's only one incumbent running for re-election there, so yeah, people are, uh, people are jazzed. I'm, I'm a little surprised that there aren't a, there are only, right now there are only four candidates running for county executive. I'm a little surprised that some of the candidates in the at-large council race don't move over to county executive because you're sort of competing with the same, right. for the same elector. It's the same one million people. Right. You have to spend the same amount of money right. to get out the vote yeah. and to increase name recognition and if you're going to raise it. Yeah. And so the ones that are doing public financing, you get a $5 match instead of a $4 match right. if you run for a county executive. Right. So right. they just think they have no chance against the three incumbents and the uh, and then the delegate. Josh, the latest thing in the race, Bill Frick, Bill Frick jumped from for Congress. County, to county executive. What yeah. is going on there? Well, he's you know he's looking for a, he's been looking for an opening. I mean, you know, started running for attorney general in the 2014 cycle, dropped back to run for re-election. Yeah. Started running for Congress. Obviously, didn't see a path to victory, and you know now he's going to try his hand at county exec. I think you know there's definitely an opening for someone who's not a council member, a term out, turned out council member running. So you know, I mean. We'll, we'll, we'll see if other people get in the race. If it's not, if, if, if others don't, I mean, you know, Frick could have a Frick could find a way to sneak in. So let's look at the gubernatorial race. Yeah. You have, I mean, if you would have asked a lot of insiders a few years ago, let's name some names of people who might have been running for governor, like in 2015, right after the election. Yeah. So you would think, well, Ken Ullman, right. the former lieutenant, uh, the candidate for lieutenant governor, the Democratic nominee, would have had great statewide name recognition. He's not running. Right. Doug Gansler. Not running. Was AG running for governor? Yep. Lost. Not running now. Right. Heather Mazier not running. Heather Mazier is not running. Yeah. Peter Franchot. Although there's rumors that Heather's running for Congress, going to challenge Andy Harris on Eastern Shore. Yeah. That's, that's a tough. That's a that's a heavy. Isn't it gerrymandered to be like heavily the, Republican? The one Republican <laughs> district in the state. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That's a that's a heavy lift even for Heather. So yeah. then you're thinking, well, Peter Franchot would be competitive because yeah, but he's, he's statewide, but he's happy sitting in comptroller forever. Well, and, you know, he and Hogan are best buds. Now. Right, so he wouldn't challenge him. Yeah. So he's maybe looking at a 22 race to succeed Hogan. I, I don't, you know, in 2022, Peter Franchot is going to be 75 years old. So he's that not, may be. He, he's, you know, he's happy where he is. He doesn't have him to Him and Frosch may dip out at that point. One would think, yeah. Well, who knows? you know, I mean, you never you know. know this is a state where people just hang on forever. <laughs> and then, um, so what else do you have? So then, who else was would have been considered? John Delaney was a strong contender for right. governor. And now look where he's aimed higher. He was in the April. What was it? It was the April Western Democratic 
straw poll. Right. And he won that. Won. Yeah. He won that poll, but that was for governor. Right. Now he's running for president yeah. of the United States of yeah. America. Yeah. What is going on there? He's like a two or three term congressman. Three term congressman. Yeah. You know, after Trump got elected, anything's possible, I think. I think that's what Is anything thinking. really possible, or is this Trump thing just a fluke one time? I, uh, you know, I, as someone who never thought I'd see the day Donald Trump would be president, I, I'm prepared to say anything. All bets are off, all, huh? Yeah, things could just get worse. I don't know. Is there anyone else from from uh, four years ago who would have been considered a contender for, for governor? Um, you know, I think you would have thought, like, maybe uh, Stephanie Rollins-Blake when she was mayor of... But well, then you saw the riots. If she, if she had been a successful mayor, she yeah. could have, she could have staked a claim. But right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you thought Elijah Cummings was con- was whispered to be having yeah. been a contender for U.S. Senate against Chris Van Hollen. Right. And of course, he never pulled the trigger. So you never think pulled the trigger? You yeah. know, I mean, running for governor isn't a, isn't the very large step away from running for U.S. Senate. Right. 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 But, but he seems happy where he is. I think so, he's happy where he is. He's been ill. I think he's sort of risk averse politically. So now it's we're pretty influential. We're in 2017. Yeah. On the, looking at the 2018 election, right. and we have a whole different slate of, of candidates, Democratic candidates for governor. And of course, there are no challenges for Hogan, is, is there? Not at the moment. No. So unlikely to be. And he's very popular. Do yes. you think there's any chance for any of the Democratic candidates to beat him? I mean, there's going to be a whole Look, lot of anti-Trump sentiment yes. in the polls. This is a, this is a Democratic state. It's a. Presumably 2018 will be a Democratic year. Hogan's done a great job of kind of distancing himself from Trump, creating his own brand separate and distinct from national Republicans. But, you know, know, you'd have to say today Hogan is favored for re-election, but that doesn't mean a Democrat couldn't beat him because... Now, Hogan was elected on a promise of fiscal responsibility. Has he delivered? And do voters think he's delivered? Those are two separate questions. I think voters definitely think he's delivered. And And do you think... Well, if your if your narrow definition is you know hasn't really increased spending, hasn't raised taxes, then yes, he's you know been fiscally responsible. Now, some Democrats would argue that you actually have to you know invest state funds to you know grow the economy. So in that. That's an argument that some Democrats will make against Hogan, and it's really up to the voters. Well, to I want to talk about those arguments just just in a minute. So who, let's first talk about who's going to make those arguments. So we have Rich Manolino, U.S. Uh, state Senator from yeah. District 18 yeah. in Montgomery County. He will definitely make those arguments against Hogan. <laughs> he already has them. And so what are his arguments? Well, his arguments are that Hogan has, you know, shortchanged education spending uh, particularly, but, you know, uh, you know, Investments in economic development and things of that sort too, uh, you know, boosting the workforce. Uh, he's been he's already making those arguments. Now you have an interesting situation where Rashawn Baker yeah. is running. He's county executive of Prince George's. He's running for the Democratic nomination for yeah. governor. Yeah, and he's in PG. Well, that's where Hogan lives. Well, that's where Hogan grew up anyway. Where does he live other than uh, the governor's in, mansion? He lives in Anne Arundel County. Okay. Not too far outside of Annapolis. So does he also have a house right now separate from the governor's <laughs> mansion? I, I would he was assume, in real estate. I would Shouldn't assume he have real estate? I would assume he does. Yeah, yeah. 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 I don't think he's given up his, his old house. And then you have Kevin Kamenetz, the county Baltimore executive county of executive. Baltimore yep. County. Yep, yep, yep. And, uh, and then you have uh, Ben Jealous. Ben Jealous, former NAACP president, kind of running... Uh, 
as the avatar of the Bernie wing of the Democrat Party? How receptive are Maryland voters to the far left? Well, I mean, if Hogan has such appeal, wouldn't you think yeah. we're more of a Hillary state than a Bernie state? Well, we were. I mean, at the, the presidential primary in 2016... She destroyed know, she, him. She beat him by 25 points or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. so well, good luck to Ben. That's one of What's the... What's his path well, to victory? Well... You had an interesting synopsis on your email from yeah. Maryland Matters lately. Well, let me say a couple of things. Um, yes, the, you know, you think of you think of Maryland as being a, a democratic state, and it is by and large, Hogan notwithstanding. Yeah. But at least in the twenty odd years I've been following um, Maryland politics, the most left candidate usually doesn't win the Democratic primaries. Right. If you think about it, you know, Heather Mazir didn't win for governor. You're talking nationally or in Maryland? No, in Maryland. Okay. By Sam Fume didn't beat Ben Cardin. Right. You know, there were candidates to the left of uh, Paris Glendening, of William Donald Schaefer. They didn't win. You know, Donna Edwards was arguably to the left of Chris Van Hollen. But if right now there are seven candidates running for governor, if that figure, if, 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 if on primary day there's still seven candidates running for governor, Jealous could slip in with... 35, 38 percent. I, I think he could. I think he could be the nominee. I'm not. I'm not ruling that out. And so wait. So who else? Who are we missing there? Okay. Uh, so we're missing um, Jim Shea, a Baltimore lawyer and kind of behind the scenes power broker. He's the uh, big law firm former yeah, Ven- Venable. Yeah, he was the Venable yeah, LLP. He, he was right. the he's president the, or something. Yeah, yeah, I think his title was like managing director or something okay. like that. So he yeah. has a lot of money. He's Claims he's raised over a million dollars. I don't. And what and, about and personal probably, wealth? He probably has per, he has personal wealth too. So why are you not seeing the John Delaney David Trone effect with Jim Shea? Like they just purchased. I mean, well, Trone spent thirteen million dollars yeah. in in ninety days. I don't think uh, Shea has Shea, that. Shea that doesn't have John Delaney and, and David Trone money. Okay, um, but he does. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if he spends some of his own money. Yeah, um, and who else do you have? Then we have these two. Uh, Young uh, veterans of the Obama administration, uh, Chris Valderrama. Chris, uh, uh, oh, that's a delegate. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're exactly. That's a delegate from Prince George's County. Yeah, um, uh, Vignaraja, Krishanti Vignaraja, Krishanti Vignaraja, and uh, and then there's this guy Alec Ross, who's also sort of a futurist and tech entrepreneur. So let's talk about Chris for a minute. So yeah. there's even a question of whether she'll even legally be allowed to be yes. on the ballot. Yes. Because she true. voted in D.C. Right. So, like, what is... <laughs> you know, there have, been, there have been these issues in Maryland before. She may she may get tossed off the ballot. We'll see. You know, I, 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 I'm, you know, I don't know what the, the legal yeah. ruling on that is going to be. But, and, then, um, and then this other one, Alec Ross. Alec Ross. Who's he? So, um, he's written some books about technology. He was like a technology advisor to Hillary Clinton and the State Department to Obama when he was running for president. Um, he's kind of an interesting guy, and he's he, you know, I, I mean, I'd say uh, Vignaraja is very interesting too. I mean, they're really have they run kind for of office before? No, neither. Are they in their thirties or forties? Uh, she's, I think, about. I want to say she's about thirty-eight, and he's kind of 40, I think mid-40s, but he could pass for mid-20s. Yeah, got a face like mine, I have yeah. to say. Yeah. I'm 32, but I know I look like uh, yeah, straight out of high school. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, 
Okay, so you have two people who've never run for office yeah, before, but of course, yeah. Trump never ran for office before. Right. Hogan right. had run, but never held elected office before. Yeah. Of course, his dad was a congressman. Yeah, I mean, Hogan, Hogan spent his, you know, his entire Hogan, life. Hogan, in the party. Hogan's, I'm just a, I'm just a businessman shtick. Is, I mean, you know, I mean, he spent his entire life around politics. Period. You know, that's just his know, dad it's, was. It's, it's a bit of a masquerade. Was it, um, what's his name? Did Steny Hoyer take his dad's seat? Uh, not, not, dir- not, not directly, okay. but yeah, but eventually. I guess, if yeah, because cycles later. Yeah, because first there was uh, Gladys Spellman, who, you know, the B.W. Parkway is named for. Well the BW, done. B.W. Parkway that Hogan now wants the state to buy. Yeah, but, um, yeah well, so yeah. what's going on? He has this toll idea here? Yeah, yeah. So what, what's that? that's a political ploy, clearly, for re-election. I mean, what's... Well, is this a yeah. hot lane like Virginia? Yes, yes, yes. And he's gonna, and he wants to do that on the Beltway on 270 and the BW Parkway and widen, so it would take, widen all those roads. It would take a current lane. Well, it, no. He's, it would he's, add a new he's lane. Talk, he's talking about four... I believe he's talking about four additional lanes for each of those highways. So two in each direction. Yes. And, and those would all be First of all, how would we get the land? And second, how would we get the money? Uh, good question. I think there'd be a lot of... There, Have you well, been on the Beltway? The houses and the sound barriers go right up yeah. to the edge. Yeah, where, well, where are these lanes well, coming could, from? There could be a bunch of takings. I mean, you know that... Eminent domain. There could be eminent domain, yeah. yeah. And people will be compensated for it. I At guess, great yeah. expense to taxpayers. Well, that, you know... So he's fiscally Hogan, responsible. Hogan's argument... Hogan... I believe, you know, we haven't heard a lot of details yet. I believe Hogan's plan is to get a, uh, you know, he, he's, he envisions this as a public-private partnership. So um, uh, a private company would come in and, like, run the tolls. And, and take, take a portion and ta- of the and tolls. Take, and take a, a and good chunk of the And pay the upfront cost Which is what's happening on the Beltway in, Virginia, in Northern Virginia now, where they have toll lanes. Yeah. That, those are that those proceeds so are, 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 being, are being pocketed by a private company. For listeners who aren't familiar with it, it's basically you have an easy pass in your car, and it's right. like if there's a lot of traffic, you can pay seven dollars and skip the traffic yeah. or something. Yeah, and I mean, you know, there's also that. But um, you can still go on the highway for free. Yes. If you want to sit in traffic. Yes. Yeah. You just can't go. So in that's those, an important thing for listeners lanes. to know. This isn't yeah. like all of a sudden you have to pay to get on the belt. No. No, no, no. It's just one lane. And Hogan is insisting that they're not going to take existing lanes away. It's just going to be added. Would he keep um, the HOV lane as it is? Uh, that's a good question. HOV know. for our listeners is high occupancy vehicle, which in Maryland is largely two or more people in a car. So, so they have expense. they have those on 270, but yeah. not on the Beltway or, right, or, right. Uh, or on the BW Parkway. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and that's dividing Democrats, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Certainly, you know, pro-road Democrats are uh, are against it, but are for it. But I mean, but there are others who are against it um, because it's incentivizing more use of cars instead of mass transit. Yeah. But let's be yeah. honest. As as mass trans as as much as mass transit is amazing for people with density. I mean, especially for journalists and politicians, people need to get around all the place and you have a meeting in Bethesda, then in Annapolis, then in Baltimore, then in Rockville. Yeah. You know, I recorded an episode this morning in Baltimore, then I had to go up to Montgomery Community Media for a meeting in Rockville, in wow. Gaithersburg, yeah. and now I'm down in Bethesda recording with you. Yeah. It's all in a single day. I have another interview all over the place. Right. I need a car. I'm driving. I yeah. mean, I've driven 130 miles today already. 
Yeah. You know, that's but, don't you, but doesn't that suck? I mean, would you rather be uh, uh, you know, yeah, on, on a train? Well, it does suck, but I don't have trains that are able to bounce everywhere. So, I know, I know. So what... So, okay, but I guess most people aren't like that. Most people, they have their home, they have their work, they go from home, work, work, right. home, and right. they're done. Yeah. And for those people, mass transit is a good solution. Yes. If Metro were reliable. Right. But, yeah. well, so what's a, going on with too. Safe Track? Well, I mean, didn't aren't they officially finished with Safe Track? Right. So Paul yeah. Wiedefield's been in there for a, little, a year and a half or whatever it's yeah, been. Yeah. No more have deaths. Have you interviewed him? He would be a great interview. He would be a great he? interview. Yeah, uh, if, if Paul, if you're listening now, yeah. please accept my invitation. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, all right. So, what else is going on in, in Montgomery County and Maryland politics? We never talk about the Republican Party. Uh, you have Robin Ficker, who's challenged. He's running for county executive, and then I don't know if there are any other Republicans. Two Republicans are maybe challenging Craig Rice for county council. What's going on there? It's hard for me to imagine uh, Republicans making any strides in Montgomery County these days. Um, when I started covering the county in 1995, there were maybe five or so uh, Republicans in the legislative delegation. There were two, two on the county council. Right, yeah, yeah. those guys were around um, in office. Not, not anymore. It's just not that kind of county anymore. So, all right, anything else? What, and, and is there a... I'm thicker, you know. He's a... Like Trump, he's his own brand. I mean, <laughs> a former he, guest on this know, podcast, by the he, way. And you know, he he's a mischief maker, and he can occasionally get things done, like the term limits thing that passed in 2016. But what I, is I cannot I cannot envision a scenario in which he gets himself elected to anything. And he, what does it? Say? Now he was elected once in a long like time the 70s. ago. Yeah. But what yeah. does it say? That he's able to pass these 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 referendums. These Amendments to the county charter. Yeah, like he's he's passed a dozen of them or something, but he can't get elected himself. Is that people like his ideas but reject the person? Well, I I don't I don't think he's gotten that many passed. I think at most it's been you know two or three. He's certainly put stuff on the ballot Mm -hmm. often enough. Um, I think this time around, you know, it was sort of the national mood, um, the fact that the it was a very, you know, Ike Leggett's been in his third, is in his third term. A lot of council members have been around a long time, and you know, frankly, a lot of interest groups that have traditionally fought Ficker's attempts to impose term limits in the county were sort of like, well, there's no way we can we can beat these, uh, you know, entrenched office holders. So let's throw our lot in with Robin Ficker and get these get the, That's one way to get these guys out. You know, so I think that's one of the untold stories about uh, about the other term people passing. supported, sort of quietly. Supported. Yeah, yeah. You know, let's talk about these special interest groups. Yeah. So there's various power powers that be that have always that have frequently historically had a great influence on yeah. the outcome of election. Right. The Washington Post endorsement. Right. The Montgomery Gazette endorsement. The uh, Apple ballot of the MCEA yes. Teachers Union, yes. Montgomery County Education Association. Yeah. Of course, the MCEA Apple ballot has lost uh, a number of races in the last few election cycles. cycles. Yeah, yeah. You have Rebecca Smondrowski, Jill Ortman Fawcett weren't Apple ballot people. You, uh, Mark Corman wasn't Apple ballot. You had a lot of people yeah. who won in the, in the legislature, not Apple ballot. Right. Uh, so talk, talk to talk to me about you know what's going on with with the special interests in Montgomery County. Well, it's funny because I have a theory about the special interest in Montgomery County, but then to get back actually to your original question about 
the county council at large race, my theory, I think, is shot down to a degree. Because, uh-huh. But I do think the a lot of the special interests in this county are losing their power. You know, as you said, unions, not as important as they used to be. Post-endorsement, not as important as it used to be. Why? The Gazette, the Gazette doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, civic organizations, probably not as important as they used to be. You know, so what's important? The, money? The business community. I, I don't know. I think it's like the Wild West, actually. But I think because... There's so many candidates in the county council race. This may be like a last gasp for some of these interest groups because, you know, if you're going to the ballot and you're trying to decide among 30 candidates and they're all sort of, you know... Relatively li- li- Yeah, and liberal Democrats, yeah, you know, they don't differ that much. It's a so problem. Then, so then maybe, you know, if the, if the Civic Federation endorses them, you know, you may take that into account. Or if the Post editorial page... Yeah. Endorses, you may take that into account. Otherwise, I think it's just kind of like the Wild West. So the 2018 election cycle is almost a referendum on the power of special interests. And if they lose a lot of their races where they make endorsements, then it's almost like people will begin to disregard them in a 2022 election cycle or 2020. That may, that may well be, yeah. So you said that you mentioned a few periodicals. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, you, you said that the, the the Gazette is now gone. You said right. the post endorsements value has decreased. Yeah. What's the state I, of journalism I mean, in po- Montgomery post, County and post, blogs? The post, um, you know, one thing that's always annoyed me about the post editorials is that, except for like the major races, they don't really even endorse interview candidates. I mean, you you were a candidate in 2014. Did you get interviewed? Not only was I not interviewed, they would refuse to answer my phone calls or emails. I mean, I couldn't even get get a response from them. So I'm not quite sure how... I I have some conspiracy theories, which I cannot really even repeat in public, but I'm not sure how they get around to endorsing certain races. So, I mean, you know, you've got to take take all those endorsements of the grain of salt. And I I can say this now because it's a long time ago and... uh, and the paper no longer exists. But when I used to work at the Gazette, I used to say, like, if there was a race where I didn't know who to vote for, I would just vote for the opposite of who the Gazette endorsed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what? Uh, so so what's the state of local? How do local citizens even find out of who to vote for? Obviously, Public Interest Podcast was created. I created it as a resource for right. voters, but I'm not going to pretend like most people know it exists. You yeah. know what's? You know, there's blogs. There's Seventh State with David Loveland. Yep. There's yours, Marilyn Matters. Jonathan yep. Sherberg had Marilyn scrambled, but right. unfortunately he passed away. Yeah. What is going on with journalism in Montgomery County? What's go- how do you have informed voters here? Uh, it's a cha- It's a challenge, and you know, it's really going to be up to the voters to kind of sort it all out. And the question is, how many of them are motivated to? To do so, or is it just going to be like a core of activists who who, who control uh, who turn out and, sway, and sway the election? Is now, Bethesda Magazine going to endorse? I'd be. I, I, I don't Steve want to Hall. speak. I don't want to speak for them, but I'd be surprised. Yeah. But they, I mean, you know, they're performing a service. You know, they they've got some good coverage. Uh, you know, Montgomery Community Media has got some right. pretty solid coverage. There are a couple of local um, websites that are sort of. You know, if you want to know what's going on in like the only area, they do a good job. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's nothing short of scandalous to me that there is this county of a million people that has no 
you know, real organized media. And people have tried to. I mean, you're trying to do Maryland Matters. Yeah. And, and are you finding that people just can't get enough of you and they can't give you enough money? They're just throwing checks at you every minute? Uh, if only. If only. <laughs> I, I mean, people like it, you know, but again, it's really, it's a core of, I, I don't want to say all our readers are insiders, but I know a substantial number of them are, you know, and I don't know. So are you yet, saying, I don't know yet that we're penetrating sort of outside. Do Americans the, value good governance? Do they value holding power accountable? Do they value knowledgeable, effective, and accountable elected officials? Is democracy important to Americans? Uh, that's a little that's a little heavy for just half, for half a beer, but uh, uh, I don't, you know, you know. Because it just if makes you, you if wonder you, if you think about the level of voter turnout. Most of the time, the answer is probably no. You know, um, you know. I mean, it spiked a little in the Obama era, but uh, it's always been considerably lower for state and local elections, and that's too damn bad. Let's uh, wrap up on a positive note. Let's okay. Let's try. <laughs> so, a positive note: people are motivated to get out and do something because they're so angry about yeah. what's happening on a federal level. At least in suburban DC, or right. here, right in a liberal area that's opposed to the yeah. to the Trump White House, right. So they, they say they're interested in getting more motivated. You had a bunch of marches last spring. Yeah, uh, they did the climate march, the science march, the Trump tax return march. The, yeah. I don't know what march. Right. Yeah, but, you know, marching, you know... What's marching? Is well, that... I know marching is good. Uh-huh. But I, I'm i still a little skeptical that, like, all that energy is going to manifest itself... In, in people turning out. And, you know, is the person who's really mad about Trump, uh, you know, going to be motivated to then go to the polls, period, and vote for Larry Hogan? I, I'll vote against Larry Hogan. I, I don't know the answer to that. I think Hogan's bet is that they don't. And you know, of course, Hogan won in 2014 with a similar amount of votes, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, that I think the 2006 victory of Bob Ehrlich, where the difference being that when Martin O'Malley won, there was a significant number, maybe 80,000 more Democrats in Maryland voted for Martin O'Malley than voted at all. Right. In the 2014 election. So it wasn't so much that he appealed, had crossed jurisdiction, there's a lot is is made of him appealing to independents, appealing to Democrats, and to be sure, some voted for him, but basically, he just got the Republican base out, and a Democratic voter turnout was just greatly depressed. Right, right. So, So, I mean, in some ways, you know, in some ways, all, I mean, some people think all you need is a big turnout in Montgomery and Prince George's County to, to, to beat Hogan in 2018. I'm not sure I quite buy that, but, I mean... It may be the Democrats' best shot. Well, there's a million in Prince George. There's a million in Montgomery. That's two million. Six million in the state. There's one out of every three Marylanders lives in Montgomery County or Prince George's. Something like that. But, yeah, but, you know, they're not all voters, of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, Josh, I appreciate you joining us. Oh, yeah, it's been uh, a behind-the-scenes look. Have a a beer and talk politics anytime. Maryland politics. All right. Thanks for joining us. Uh, It's been another... Another look at Public Interest Podcast. Take care. This has been another episode of Public Interest Podcast with your host, Jordan Cooper, where we interview politicians, activists, advocates, and others who seek to improve the state of the world. I'll remind you to subscribe on publicinterestpodcast.com and on iTunes. Leave a review 
of this podcast on iTunes and listen on Stitcher, SoundCloud, CastBox, Blueberry, Player FM, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Should you wish to comment on this episode, you're welcome to leave a voicemail at 240-630-0380. And the first three minutes of that voicemail may be played in future episodes of Public Interest Podcast. Should you wish to support the podcast, you're welcome to leave a contribution in an amount that you feel comfortable with at publicinterestpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.